Hi, and thank you for downloading the Golf Lot Tour Truck Podcast, whether it's from SoundCloud or from iTunes. My name is Martin Hopley. I'm the founder of equipment review website, golfalot.com, and I'm joined by my usual partner in crime, who's the founder of Full Golf in Dublin and Ireland, one of the leading club fitters in the industry, Derek Murray. Hi, Derek. Mr. Hopley, how are you? I hope I'm your Robin to the Batman. Is that how you pitch that? <laughs> well, we'll go with that one. That sounds good enough to me. Well, how are you, my friend? I'm very well. I'm very well. And obviously, we're in the middle of all the equipment launches for 2018. And with our past tour trucks, regular listeners will know that we've already done ping and we've done tight list. And now, like the old 45 bus when I was trying to get home from school, the last two come along at once, which is Callaway and TaylorMade of the big four, uh, we should obviously say. And we've got the full range, we've got drivers, fairways, the whole lot. So I was just really going to focus, let's start with the drivers. What was quite interesting with both these brands is that they were really focusing more on accuracy more than distance, really, which I thought was quite interesting. Do you think we've sort of maxed out on distance? Well, I love this time of year. And I mean, this is like, you know, this is, tech, I mean, middle of January is like our Christmas because we've got the big PGA show looming at the end of January when everything kind of gets more official and it's all sort of, you know, breaks out as it were. And so this time, this time of year for me is so, so cool. And I mean, you know, I, I love innovation. I love uh, when stuff moves forward. You know, I, I'm, 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 the, I'm that guy who sees the new technology, sees how they've applied it, sees the material, sees it as you do, uh, and, and is excited by it. Because we know that the, the, the changes that are coming may well not be huge in terms of advancements. It's an advancement in terms of its application. Uh, and that's what has to be remembered. You're right. In terms of distance, I mean... The harsh reality of this is that uh, when, when there's limitations put in terms of how fast a ball can come off the face of a golf club, and once the, the bodies in golf put those limitations in place, it's very hard then to take design and technology and make something, you know, if the, if the engine of the car is designed to propel the car forward, there's only so so much weight you can save as low as you can get it to the ground, save on drafting and get the thing to go fast. But to get to a point where it's almost like, well, you're kind of at the point where that's as fast as we could physically go in terms of, you know, physics. And with drivers, I, I think, you know, distance has been something that's actually been sort of uh, sidelined a lot for the last couple of seasons. But what, what's changed is our ability to be able to get speed to be consistent across the face rather than faster off the face. So in theory, you can actually get the ball to go quicker, but out of the places where it normally would be a lot slower. And I think that's the big thing in terms of face design and certain in terms of drivers. But you're right, this this latest wave of drivers is, is definitely uh, coming along with the more forgiveness or a higher moment of inertia or more consistency of speed managed across the face. Well, Calibre's road driver is the one that you talked about having more speed across the face. I think they both do this, but they've used the jailbreak, which they had from Epic. They made it into a slightly bigger head with a slightly higher moment of inertia. And... Really, what I found in the, in the testing that I've been able to do is that whilst it was, you know, maybe slightly longer, about the same out in the middle, you were probably getting slightly more. So it wasn't so much of a distance drop off if you hit it off center, maybe high in the toe, for instance, which was a big thing that I noticed. Sorry, this. Have you have you had any experience of this? Yeah, Callaway were very smart with this application on Rogue because what they did was they technically blended two drivers. They blended that Fusion driver, which was extraordinarily cool for moment of inertia and we we hit it in testing i remember you and i first tested it and i remember it being i remember seeing smash factors across the face that i'd never actually seen in golf ever and i remember seeing smash factors that were above 50 on three or four drives in a row which was extraordinary because to get smash factor up above 1.50 is means it's above 
the ball is going faster than than it should be based on the speed of the head is what that basically is, or its efficiency of speed retention. But when you see it go above 150, I remember on tour, all the players used to go, once it goes above 150, oh, well, then I'm, I'm better than it should be. Uh, sorry, it's going faster than I can physically swing it, which means that's a great thing. And I remember that fusion was one of those drivers which just blew me away in terms of how consistent it was, uh, keeping it straight, but also consistency of speed and, and, and being able to keep it high in terms of smash factor. So what Callaway did was they said, well, that's a cool driver. And they knew it was cool because I spoke to them and they said, oh, careful now, we know it's really good, but, you know, epic and epic with the jailbreak. And I said, yeah, 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 but that other driver, that's awesome. I mean, that's a phenomenal, that's a design phenomenon. And they're like, oh, yeah, no, but, you know, so they obviously knew down the road that they were going to try and blend the speed qualities across the face of epic and that high moment of inertia forgiveness or speed retention from fusion which is what this rogue is quite smart to be fair blending two technologies like that and producing a driver that they know is great off the face but is also very forgiving and forgiving in inverted commas as i always do um but in terms of keeping the, the driver straight and uh, fairly quick off on off center strikes they've done a nice job on that and it's a much bigger head than the, the epic was before i mean it's almost that the rogue sub-zero is a, even probably the same as the old epic and was actually a little bit more more forgiving than the old Epic as well, which I wouldn't probably have expected because even if you were coming in with a sort of negative attack angle, which quite a lot of amateurs do, it was killing the spin and giving you more distance anyway. So the Sub-Zero might be a bit more, have a bit wider appeal maybe. Well, yeah, but if I stood there to you and I said, okay, and you hit Epic and I said to you, right, Hoppers, do you like that driver? And you go, yeah, it's great, feels great, good adjustability. You know, I love the story of the bars. It makes sense. It does deliver. It's great. I would say, how would you make that better? And you'd say, well, I'd either make it quicker or I'd make it more forgiving. That's what you'd say, because there's nothing else that you could physically say about it that would make any more sense. And that's kind of what they've done. And in terms of changing the footprint, they've had to, because of where they wanted to put those bars and because of where they wanted to put the, the weighting in it and because of how they wanted to design the chassis, they've had to change that head shaping a little. It's also very complicated to create a driver that's, that's forgiving, i.e. in a straight line, and make it low spin. That's a really complicated task. Because when you lose the spin off the driver, you lo almost lose its ability to stay straight on off center or cross hit shots where the plane here wants to spin right or spin left. When you lower the spin, it, it, it'll go further left or further right because there isn't as much backspin to save it. So that's a really, really, and this is why I love new technology and new products every year, is because there is advancements. Even though, you know, golfers out there that are listening say, oh, and it's not going further. Yeah, but. Is that really what we want stuff to do? You know, do we really want stuff to go further? We, we kind of, in drivers, I, I, I can tell you now, it's kind of there or thereabouts in terms of driver distance because it's governed by the RNA and the USGA. They've limited how fast the ball can go off the face and therefore it can't go further. So let's make the thing more forgiving and then take the spin off. Oh, how are we going to make it go straighter now? And that's where the design comes in. And that's that epic, uh, that new Rogue rather, is a really smart, smart design. Okay, let's go across to their friends, TaylorMade. Uh, they've gone really forgiveness in a different way. And I like this when we've got two different approaches here. So they've got this twist face on the driver. You've taken uh, the gear effect and they've obviously changed the contours of the face and the heel and the toe to actually either add launch and, and spin uh, or take off launch and spin depending on what where you hit it in order to make it go straighter and keep the rest of the face still as fast as it was what's your take on that well i was i, I remember get i remember going to the launch and meeting the great bazell mr bazell the guy who designed it and i and i started talking to him and the more i spoke to him the more it it it, it was like 
and I think McElroy said as well, how come somebody hasn't thought of this before? But the problem with me was I stood there and he handed me this. Did you get that big, huge face that was actually twisted? Yeah, yeah I did. So he handed me this thing. He says, here's what we've done. And I went, Jesus, no one's going to like the look of that when they put it down behind the ball because it was very exaggerated. I don't know if you... Yeah, because it was huge. It was a big thing. It wasn't a problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was about it was, twice, yeah. about 50% well, bigger, it was, wasn't it? Yeah, it was about eight inches wide by five inches tall. And I'm thinking, dude, if you put that behind the ball, that's going to freak people out. He said, no, 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 no. It's, it's exaggerated to show you that there's a twist. I, okay, because I'm thinking if you put that into a driver face, we'd be hitting balls left and right all over the shop. And this is just a this is just a very so this is you know we need that horrible term of out of the box thinking or blue sky design right, but that's one of those out of the box moments where a guy has sat down and said, okay look this is we're kind of there you know we've got the head as light as it can physically be the face as fast as we physically we've got slots in it we've got bits gone out of here we've got weight saving we've got the whole thing going as quick as we can how can we make this thing go to go straighter? And then obviously with MOI, you put the weight at the back or you do whatever you need to do with that to keep the head as stable as you can. And then they thought, wonder could we do something with the face? And it wasn't just that they said, we'll bend it and see how it goes. They hit thousands upon thousands upon thousands of ball-ins and testing to see where they miss, how far they miss off center. And then they designed the face around the general miss. And people have to remember, this wasn't just something they came up on on a Wednesday afternoon and draw it on the back of an envelope and said, oh, here, we twist the face with a bit of crack and put it out there, which is a way a lot of people are, are viewing this, that it was a kind of a snap design. This was done under the most rigorous of R&D testing and to hit thousands upon thousands upon thousands of shots and then build up a database of where they missed and then design the face around the miss. That's proper design and that's proper R&D. And it's very, very smart. Now, they obviously market it well because they do a great job at stuff like that, as you and I know, we've been around the block a bit. But it does actually work because it makes sense. And I usually find that in design, if something makes sense, then it's real. Yeah, no, I go with the, the make sense strategy, uh, theory as well, actually. I mean, certainly when I, I went out, I was about to go a little bit further. I was up in Carlsbad there, and he said we've been working there for three or four years. And certainly yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah. it does make sense. Uh, I mean, I was finding that, you know, it was actually – you can see from the dispersion patterns on the, the track mine that we were using that it was you know going a little bit further, but it was just a lot straighter. And even when you were hitting it high in the toe, low in the hill, it was dispersion wasn't as great. So therefore, you could say like, in theory that it worked, but it might depend on your face to path. I mean, obviously, if you're the way, I mean, look, if you're coming in the with an open that, face yeah. and hitting the toe, it's going to go even could go anywhere, really, can it? Well, if, if you come across the line and you're 19 degrees negative across the line, you're going to cut the ball. Like, there's nothing going to stop you. What this what this does is though it reduces the amount of side off again. So it's it's a reduction rather than a negation. Yeah. And that's what needs to be made very clear here. But I'll tell you one thing, and I know these guys are sponsored by the company, right? So you've Justin Rose and you've Rory McIlroy. Fortunately enough, I know, I know them both well enough to say hello. And one of the things I do know is that, and you've watched that video, and, and, I, and, the, and when, they, when they videoed them showing them the technology, especially McIlroy, right? I know the kid since he's 11. I can guarantee you it is extraordinarily difficult to impress these people. I don't care how much... They're getting paid. I don't care what their bonuses are. I don't, that's irrelevant. Just to simply give them something that they go, wow, whoo, blown away. 
that is such a difficult thing to do. And that's the moment that I knew that, that TaylorMade had something very special because these guys are at the forefront of everything. They know everything about everything to do with golf. These guys, and especially McElroy, he's a studious guy. Um, Rosie is a really, he studies it, he, he, he gets into it, he understands it. He's, he's very technical. And for them to step back and go, wow, and rubbing their cheeks, chins and going, jeez, that's, that's proper impressive. And then get out and hit it and go, I'm kind of blown away a bit then you know it's kind of special because that is difficult to do no matter how much you're paying them to impress a pro a tour pro like that and at that level that's the moment I knew I, I, actually they might have something here rather than just a marketing term you've got to impress these guys and that certainly did as before is that where we had M1 and M2 driver we now got M3 which is the more, uh, more adjustable one and then M4 which is kind of the M2 equipment <clears throat> it seems to me again that you know M3 seem to be better for more people than, than M4. And that was the same I thought with the last time around, that, um, that you you know, I could go into M4, but I was getting better results with M3, and that's happened the last time as well. It's almost like M4 was not really an option for, for my swing speed, but do you feel that that's happened again here? It's funny that, yeah, because we've sold more M1 than M2 through the fitting process that we have here at Forgolf. So we actually got more people who were using M1 last year than we did M2. And yet it was almost the flip reverse on tour. And certainly from what I can see, Ram is playing M, M4, DJs. Well, the, whether they play it, they've been photographed using it, which in theory means that they're testing it or they've already bagged it. And Rory, I think, is going M4 as well. The reality of this is is, is simple, right? So... M3 is obviously the more adjustable part, more adjustable piece. But if the driver is moving into a more of a forgiving role, then that weighting is going to have probably more of an effect for keeping it high MOI, so back as far as it can go, and then adjusting the hosel then to suit the type of shape of, of, of head, the way they want to deliver it based on the strike. So I'm not sure whether one is better i.e. being more adjustable because I don't believe that because the head is so light now that those weights are going to have as much of a, 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 a result on, on changing the, the rotation of the spin of the ball. It will inf- it will infinitely, infinitely, but it, will, it won't be massively. It'll be small amounts of adjustment because the head is so light. Uh, although those weights that are in that head now, because there's no carbon fiber in the heel and because the whole, the whole sole has been literally stripped out of weight, it, it does feel phenomenally good. So for guys like you who, you know, decent enough strikes, get it out of the center and want to feel the club head quite solid or quick through the ball, you might find that M, uh, M3 might deliver that for you. I'd still, though, with, with M4 having the D-type head and because it feels slightly different because of the way that hammerhead works with that head because it doesn't have the channels, I think there's a little bit of something there for everyone. The hard part is for the guys that are listening, the girls are listening, is to figure out where you fit in in terms of that matrixy of that product. So it's very much a fitting product. And it's not just on that head or that head. You would need to be tested in all three to figure out which one is going to deliver for me what I'm looking for based on what I'm moving from. So it's all about if I'm using this driver and I'm going to move to TaylorMade, which of these three is going to work for me and how is it going to improve on what I already have? I know I'd absolutely agree. I mean, when we I was at uh, the Kingdom, we were there and we had the, the M4, M3, and then we we're even changing the head lofts as well. And that's before we started adjustability. It was a really in-depth process in order to arrive at the fact that it was a 9.5 M3 with the weights in the back corner, which was the better option rather than, yeah. you know, it wasn't that forward or straight decision, which is, uh, you know, it's good in some ways, but with Callaway's two drivers, the Rogue and the Sub-Zero, they're the same price, albeit the same price as the M3, which is a more expensive one. Whereas in TaylorMade, there is quite a big price difference between the two. And if you 
have to be one rather than the other, then there could be a financial penalty between the two. But what is quite interesting with the pricing is that both in the UK and in uh, Ireland and the Euros where you are, the differential is about 30% between N3 and N4. In the United States, only 15 And it seems odd that there is less of a differential in the United States. Maybe the market can't sustain it. But you know, it's maybe an easier choice. And if you say, well, you actually, I'd say, three, I, I'd say that's currency related, to be honest, uh, to be, to be fair. I think that's probably something to do with currency because it's all right with through the UK. So I would suspect I, I couldn't comment on that to be, to be absolutely positive, but to, to get to argue, not to argue, but to, to, to figure that the point that the Callaway is, is, is the same price is you've an awful lot of tech going on there in those two drivers in terms of materials and wherever there's material or saving of material, they have to re-engineer the whole chassis in order to retain some sort of strength in it. And then with the two bars, so that sits at the very top because there's actually lots of bits and pieces going on there. And that would make sense then why M3 would be slightly more expensive as well because, again, the track system, the way they have to re-engineer, the chassis engineering, so inside that head, if you cut that in half and looked inside, the chassis engineering of that head is truly remarkable. To put that size of a channel in there and all carbon fibre around it and get a face on there and keep it all together so it doesn't explode the first time you hit it. That's very, very cool manufacturing. So that would cost more because that is complicated to actually produce and make and build and with the layering and all that. And then other driver doesn't have the channeling. It has one fixed weight in the back and one fixed weight in terms of draw. So there's less movement, which means there's less tooling, which means it's easier to make, which means there's slightly less cost in it. But you're right to a point that you could suddenly in TaylorMade find, but that, that's why they produce that that M4 practice to allow people to, to self-grade and say, well, you know what, I actually don't have that money, so I'm just going to go for the twisted face in, in this driver head and then either get the the, the square one or the draw one and then angle the, angle the head accordingly, which I think is kind of smart because it gives people a choice. They can self-select. If, if they can't afford one, they can go the other. Whereas with Callaway, they're probably going to have another driver that will fit that you know, slightly lesser value, but whether or not it has all the boils and whistles, I'm not, I'm not sure. Okay, let's uh, move on to the fairways, because that's another big area, particularly for both of these companies. Um, the M4 and M3 fairways with TaylorMade, they don't have that twist face in yet. I probably, we both probably think it'll come, maybe uh, next time around or the one after. But the M4 fairway, obviously, is taken over from the M2, which is obviously this uh, uh, rocket launcher, which we've come to use for. Have you, do you think it's still as good this time around? Yeah, I do. I mean, look, I actually have a tour version as well, which we had a couple of smacks of here, and that thing is absolutely money. That thing goes forever. In fact, nearly as far as the driver, to be fair, which is another problem we have in that fairy woods are going so fast off the face because of the way that they're designed that it's pushing the ball further and further forward, which can create issues in, in from a fitting perspective in trying to bridge the gaps back to your irons. But thankfully, we'll talk about irons in a minute, but thankfully, irons are cruising out there as well. So that's going to be another another good thing for us going forward. Yeah, I still think that TaylorMade, you know, they they produced a very quick uh, fairway, but certainly off the face. I don't think that they've let up on this one either. It still delivers that lovely, solid, crisp. Um, I mean, they haven't really made it bad fairway wood since I can remember, since the slots came out, since Rocket Balls, really. Uh, jet speed was a bit kind of questionable, but it still was quick off the face. But I think they have a nice even formula there, and they just kind of keep tweaking that and bringing it forward, taking more weight, as much weight as they can out, and positioning it at the back there to get it to launch and stay stable. So I think it's quite cool. So, yeah, I, I, st I still think it's quick. Well, I thought it was good, but again, it might be in this, because it's, you couldn't change the shafts, you know, it's got a fixed hosel, whereas the M3 has the chance to sort of swap the, the shafts in and out. Um, I actually think the M3 could be a, a sneaky good one, actually. I think it's got a much wider appeal than the M1 did previously. I think it's much easier to get going. 
um, I found that having adjustable weight did make a bit of a difference in terms of making it a little bit more accurate as well. And I think that's a, a slow burner, actually. Are you any thoughts on that one? Yeah, I, I was a bit disappointed when they took the adjustable hosel out of that product M4 this year and obviously M2 in the past because adjustable hosels for us allow us to shape the club head to suit the type of strike for the player and from a fitting perspective that's golden so obviously not having the ability to do that means it's to be more focused with the shaft and how the shaft operates and works which which, which can be more complicated but it, it, it does lend itself to being you know, a harder fit if that's the right word um, and you're right then M, M3 in the fairway wood with the adjustable weight chamber I'm not sure it delivers as much left to right movement as it would suggest in terms of big draws and big fades but I think what it does is it just with waiting in the bottom of the head which goes for the driver as well you have to be very cautious how you operate the hosel you've got to keep the hosel and the weight working together they don't work independently they work actually together it's to try and get the head to shape up based on how it's been delivered and then obviously having the ability to be able to swap out shafts although we don't have a problem with that here because we have a connection system that allows us to do whatever we need to do that, that's specially made for us so we have uber different shafts as you can test in different heads but we have different here it's not just fixed it's it is adjustable but the m3 does allow you to that option to be able to uh, move the face angle a little and then move the weight in line with it so yeah and it was i think last year's was a little bit harder to fly and this year certainly it did have uh, a little bit of a crisper feel to it, if that's the right word which seems to create a slightly higher flight uh, from what we can see from testing although it's only just out so we normally like a couple of weeks and especially getting it into consumers' hands so that we can, you know, untangle the the matrices of what takes place and how it operates. And then in, in a couple of weeks' time, we'd have a much better handle on exactly what that product will do and how to apply it to golfers. Callaway's response to this is the Rogue Fairway. And uh, with the Epic last time, they didn't actually put the jailbreak in the Epic Fairway, but they have put the jailbreak in the Rogue Fairway this time around, which, again, is supposed to have the same benefit joins the heel and sorry joins the sole and the crown makes it a bit stiffer more ball speed goes like forever um what's your view on that sort of technology in a fairway wood do you think it's going to i don't know i don't know how much energy would dissipate into the crown and sole of a fairway wood shot that's the bit that i'm unsure of it and it's very difficult to test that because you'd have to get a robot for that and they're quite expensive Although you probably have one in your back garden, I suspect. Uh, uh, given well, that I just say I'm, I am a robot. I just sit there and hit balls <laughs> like I don't know what. It's just not, it's just not uh, as consistently, maybe. I've heard, you called a lot, I've heard you called a lot of things, Hoppers, but robot wasn't one of them. <laughs> um, but I, I'm not Machine. sure. But I mean, I, I'm, I, I guess the point I'm trying to make is if you have a technology that works in a driver, then it would make sense to pull it through into other products that you can apply it to. In with the logic that if there's a saving here, there could be a saving there. Uh, they obviously believe that there is. I mean, again, they're very smart guys that designed that product for Callaway, and they're not going to do something that isn't going to work. And they're certainly not going to do something that isn't going to deliver a result. So I suspect that it is a good idea. I wasn't a massive fan of the Fairwood last year. Personally, it did work fairly well for customers and clients because uh, it does spin quite low, funny enough, does, uh, from yeah. what we can see from golfers, which means that from a Fairwood perspective, it probably only suits that guy that's a little bit steep or a little bit quick and in both cases then because it's been so low it goes like the wind like it goes miles uh so it's kind of a it was a really good backup driver for off the tee for guys that were a bit wild um but off the deck it meant that it came out kind of flat which meant that it can be complicated to get the ball in the air which then means that you know you, you might kind of think uh i might go to something that flies it a bit to get it to come in softer get a better land angle but quicker golfers stronger players loved it uh and i could see why well, it could be a very different club because, I mean, both the Epic driver and Fair, I think, carry on in the line uh, as well as Rogue. I mean, certainly in the testing I was doing, I was getting 
a lower launch with a higher spin with the Rogue fairy wood, as opposed to the Epic with 15 degrees. Obviously, there's different shafts you've got to take back into account. So they were kind of, and they were around about similar sort of distance for me. So it probably just depends on your personal launch conditions as to which one it is going to work best. Yeah, what spin was on the the Rogue three wood when you tested it? Uh, well, I was probably sort of mid 2000s with the Epic, and I was um, three to three and a half with the Rogue, depending on Sub Zero Rogue. That's 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 still quite low for a fairway wood. In order to get it to stop, because you have to remember yeah. that a certain amount of stopping power. And I would still, I would probably like if I'm building threes, depending on the speed, I'd like them usually up into three nines, even into the four thousands, just so that it isn't kind of, it's not a forward motion, and then you're trying to gauge length of green and depth of green shot and you know, if you're coming in, you're trying to think, I get it to sit down soft. I don't want this to be carrying too far. And so I still think that's a bit strong. Yeah. Well, certainly I would agree with you. I think uh, the Epic, I mean, this is better than the Epic. Potentially, have a wider appeal, certainly. I mean, Epic wasn't bad, but as I say, there were, there were so many other dry, uh, fairways out there which were and, uh, yeah. for the same and I mean, amount. And I mean, it has got the adjustable hosel, so you can crank it a little to get a bit more flight out of it. And it does come in a four, doesn't it? It comes it in a whole does... bunch of lofts, actually. It goes from yeah. a three plus at 13 and a half. Yeah, so you can go up four, five, uh, yeah, so, words, 25, yeah. 11 word, it goes all the way. Actually, great point, great point, and uh, a slight uh, bit of an insider track there. If you buy one of those heaven woods, it's absolutely unbelievably good. That is a really, really solid, straight. If you can get past the fact that it's a seven wood, because most people get a bit weird about that, it's phenomenally good to strike off the deck. Because you can imagine there, if you're infusing, bring a bit loft in, and you're still retaining that sort of quick face, stable head, you can imagine that thing is just the money in terms of flight. We did a lot of heaven woods last year, and I suspect we'll do a lot more uh, this year, given the fact that it's so consistent, it's very quick, and it'll go as far as most five and even three woods for enough because of the the way that that. If you can imagine the dryer, the three wood spins quite low, so when you bring loft in, you get more of a true flight because there's loft prevalent, which means it flies differently than it would a normal three wood. So you're kind of, you're kind of, it's kind of a, it's kind of a strong five wood with a seven wood head, if that makes sense. Which means if you if you build it right and you get it bit right and fit it right, you could get that thing to go as far as the three would but at a better land angle yeah I mean just for the people listening we've got a 5 wood at 19 degrees the hammer wood is 20 degrees but the shaft length is a 4 wood shaft in it and that's what makes the difference there you go and that could be one of the money clubs for a lot of people out there if you're looking for something that flies through the air and goes far that could be one to look at okay alright that's enough of woods so uh, we've got a lot of stuff but we'll just touch quickly on the irons so with the drivers been about not distance but forgiveness we've gone from the irons which are not only forgiving but they're all about distance <laughs> so we've got the uh, we had the Taylor made and two irons around which were really had to be one of the fastest irons around last year now we have Taylor made and four which takes it forward a little bit. What they've done is put these rib cores in the back to sit behind the face slots, make them a little bit stiffer, and it's going to go miles. <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, uh, yeah, it does. And that was one of the problems, <clears throat> not the problems, but the, one of the issues that Tomo was talking about last year that designed the irons. He was saying that there's quite a bit of energy lost into the back of the face. And with the slots there, because there's now a, 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 a material down behind the face, they were finding that, a lot of the energy was kind of almost wasted out the back a little. So they put in these kind of strengthening bars, if you will, the right word to describe at the back of the head, which kind of firms up the whole club head and also creates a slightly firmer overall feel of the club head. So it kind of surrounds the club. So when you're striking it, you can actually feel it quite. It's kind of weird. It's kind of like it's braced, if that's the right word, behind the face. And with that 
face movement into the slot. I mean, I saw Dustin Johnson hitting that thing, and I think you saw me hitting like two hundred ninety-nine yards off a tee. I have to say that. <laughs> and he, and he, and he, and yeah, but he kept saying to the guy, oh, but just, "It's going in the bag. It's going in the bag. It's, yeah. it's going in the bag. It's going to because it's very hard to get a. a see, the, the 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 quality of that means that you're able to get feel. So so Johnson loves the feel of it, and you were still getting the speed of it because usually if you get the speed out of it, it can feel a bit kind of tinny. And a lot of tour players go, "Oh Jesus Christ, no, that's like." You know, that feels a bit weird. I'm not into that. Whereas he instantly, and that's another thing about impressing a tour player. It isn't easy to do. And and I think a lot of listeners need to understand that, that I worked on tour for two and a half years. And it was very hard to impress a tour player with anything because they'd seen it all, done it all. I'm playing at a very top level. You can't really impress me. I've been around the block. So when you impress a guy like him with something and you hear him saying, oh, it's going in the bag. I don't care. I don't care. It's going in the bag. I don't care. I don't care if I've got any. I don't care if it even exists. It's going in the bag. That's a very, very, very hard thing to do. And I mean, that's testament to the work and the energy that the lads have put into the, the iron design. And, and I mean, they've done a great job for the last five, six designs. Tomo and his team have done a really, really solid job with their iron design. And I love... I love distance off the irons. I think it's the way to go with things because obviously if we can move up the yardage in the irons, it means you're hitting less club in. It means it's easier for people to compete. It means that guys off higher handicaps can get speed that they that, that te- technically they shouldn't have because they haven't got the technique. And it puts pressure up against players like you who are good strikers, good ball strikers, able to play low handicaps. It means that guys can have their day in the sun. And well, it's I'm great not sure because... about that, man. I don't need anybody else putting pressure on me. Thank you very much. Yeah. I'm, I'm chasing you down, Hubbard. That's basically what it's coming at. Because, you know, distance for amateurs is critical because that's a technique-based thing. If it's limited in other areas in terms of design and it isn't in others and where smart guys can step up and make the ball go quicker off the face, I'm all for that. I'm all for making the game easy. I'm not in for making the game harder. And I'm one of those people that stands very clearly on the side of we want we want product being developed and designed that creates, that makes the game easier for people to enjoy because if you're out there slogging it, it can just—it—it just means it's—it's—it's—it's—it's. I think there's less enjoyment for people that are getting into the sport or trying to improve, without having to pump loads of energy and time into lessons and playing all the time and all that. They can get an instant reaction to stuff, and I think that's a good thing. I think that's a good thing. I know I'd agree with you. So even though it's you're putting pressure on me, I would also say that I think uh, what I did like about this set more than the last one that the, the flow seemed to be again a little bit better because you've got pockets and slots coming in and out, yeah. especially when you get seven eight time, uh, which was better. And also uh, without you know whether it be completely perfect, but it's better. And also that the well that well, that was a contentious issue we had when we followed still the last product we said. But the feel has to change because it's if it's not there, then it's going to be different. And I and I and I and I had issues with that because I said, lads, if you have a really cool technology, just push it through. It's like why would you leave it out with you? And there was reasons why it was to do a little bit to do with manufacturing, a little bit to do with how it was done, changing the differences between the club heads. Essentially, I think it's much better. By the way, sorry, buddy, idiot, but I think it's a better thing that they have that running right through because it's very consistent. And we love consistency as technicians. We don't like stuff that slips in between we like it to be consistent it's easier for us to fit build and match yeah because when you the good thing with this and i have to say with the road that we're going to come on to as well is that when you got to pitchy ways they're actually starting to 
make gap wedges, lob wedges, sand wedges to fit in with the set. And yes, they might be a different style yeah. again, but you're almost back to old yeah. school where you can buy the whole set right down to well, well, you see, well, you see, that's the thing you have to. Uh, and, and that's another thing for people listening to understand is because the distance has now changed dramatically. And listen, this isn't about jacking up the lofts, by the way. We have to be careful. People think that, oh, they just made the loft, the loft of a five iron the same as a three iron, and that's why it's going further. That's not true. What's actually happening is because the product is designed in such a way with the face design and the sole design, it, the, the ball launches higher. So you have to adjust the loft to suit the change in launch characteristics so that the ball starts to go the way that it thinks it needs to go. Whereas if you left the loft the same as in weak and then put a very high launch angle on it, you'll actually start to see extraordinarily high flight, which would be hard to control from a ball striking perspective. So you had to offset the loft against the launch angle, and that's quite normal. But what it does do, because it pushes the distance up, because the speed off the face is extortionate. Like, if you're playing a set of irons that's five years old, I challenge you to play, try one of these heads and not see a, a 12 mile an hour gain. You hit the ball four clubs longer because the way that the head is designed and the way that it's smart technology in terms of the face movement and that. So, you have to bring in the shorter irons because the pitching wedge now is going as far as a good eight iron was back five years ago. So they have to bring in and make sure that you consider gap wedges, sand wedges, love wedges to suit the spanning of distance that you would normally want from a set of irons. You've got to now consider getting a gap wedge and a sub wedge and a sand wedge because the gap wedge is probably going to be your old pitching wedge-ish distance, maybe a little further. So make sure you're bridging the gap. Don't just think you're going traditionally pitching wedge, leave a gap and stick a 56 in there because the gap between that 56, if it is a normal head and your pitching wedge, could be about 140 yards. Well, certainly the the other the M three arms which were in there, which are placing the M one, I like I I was like them. I thought they were sneaky good actually. I think they've done a much better job than they did with the M one. I think it's a sort of better players for giving arms. So if you have a single figure handicap, so it gets right down the street. I think the only issue is <laughs> they're very close in size to the P seven nineties, which are really yeah. good and are faster. Yeah. Only for a little right. more money as well. And there's a bit of an overlap there. You're right. You're right. I said the same thing. Uh, to Baz when I was talking to him about the drivers I asked him about the irons and he did say that look the, the reality of this is you're going to be one or the other and you'll pick the P790 if you need that sort of a little bit of a cleaner shape more of a bladeish player type look but if you're not quite there and you're still having reservations then you're going to be you know M3 there was a very close and I said that to him I said dude what are you doing what are you what are you putting a, what are you putting a club up against that P790 that thing is the money it's like Vegas leave it alone what are you putting he said no no because we, we respected the fact that there might not be that guy that might not be able to make the move to a blade looking club it, it, psychologically he might look at it and think oh I could do a little bit of cavity I want something a bit more chrome cavity bit of help there I'm not quite sure and we needed to cover that base because he said that they actually said that the distance between M4 and P790 was just too far to not bridge with a product which yeah. which kind of makes sense which kind of makes sense to me although I still think that M4 is going to be an absolute chicken dinner uh, for a lot of golfers next year I actually don't think that M3 will have as much of a uh, a sale through as, as fact, but they were trying to cover the bases in terms of, you know, individual player requirement or visual or confidence or whatever it is that it, that, that that cavity creates. Yeah, so if in there, make sure you you got someone like Derek and, and try out the P790 and the M3 together because they are very close. Actually, sometimes maybe the 790 might have the edge. Let's go across to uh, yeah. Callaway. Um, they've got the Rogue Arms. Actually, three. There's a 
a Rogue, which is a standard arm. There's a Rogue Pro, uh, which actually is a bit like the M3, actually. It's sneaky good. Yeah. It's sort of reminiscing of the uh, X14 Pro series. I think that's really the sort of... Uh, true descendants of it rather than the steelhead x sorry sorry mate i'm not old enough to remember that <laughs> well the viewers i can see him viewers, the listeners and i can tell you he definitely is but anyway maybe not as wise as myself but anyway um moving on and the one that is the m4 competitor i suppose is the rogue x which is yeah. their super bionic one where really they made the face put their fastest face in that they can they put some uh, material in behind the face to prove the feel because obviously when you make the cavity bigger it's going to make it sound hollow and uh, these sort of material sort of spheres of crystals to absorb the sound uh, make it go faster and further so it did actually perform very well for me I thought it had a lot of pace on it how do you feel it went have you had a go of it? I had a little hit of it yeah we hit some early prototype stuff and you're right that pro iron was actually pretty decent as pro irons go because you know, last season we had Apex, which was a beautifully forged product, and and it worked really well for us. The Pro actually, Apex Pro worked extraordinarily well for us. It was just, it was quick for a a forged type of a club. So we were interested to see where Callaway were going to take take this take this line. And to be honest, that X is 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 quite good. So that that is where the that is where the consumer is going to have to do some proper organized sit down testing for himself or herself to figure out what they're looking for from the head to make the choice between that kind of a distance product versus, you know, your, your tailor-mades or even your Titleist AP3s or, you know, these kind of products that sit in this kind of a, I want to say handicap, but I know that's a bit broad, but if you're in that kind of a fence, sitting on the fence handicap, you're kind of almost getting into singles and you're kind of doubles and you're kind of teetering and you want, you're looking for performance, but what you haven't been able to get in the past, which is distance, which you now can, which is a great thing, you can get performance and you can get the distance from the irons because uh, in the past you couldn't. Then it's going to be, I'd say it's kind of a, it's a, it's a complicated place to be. I hit that X, loved it. It certainly stacks up for distance. Uh, we hit the the normal iron, Callaway's, the rogue iron, and uh, quite nice. I mean, again, it's hard to separate this stuff sometimes because they're obviously right on the edge of what they can produce design-wise and right on the edge in terms of what they can get from speed-wise. And so it makes the stuff kind of come together quite on a, a fairly level playing field. Well, certainly when you've got that bigger chassis, the face has got more, you've got a bigger face, which then flexes more. So I mean, with the six irons here, I was getting, you know, an extra 11 yards between the Rogue X and the Rogue. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, so the, whereas the Rogue and the Rogue Pro, there was, you know, maybe a couple of yards in it. So, you know, yeah. the X is almost by itself out here. There's no, no chance really you can yeah. end it unless you do what Dustin Johnson has done and put the four iron in, which yeah. is... Well, the, um, the, the, yeah. Well, it's eighteen and a half degree loft, whereas and in its defence, the M four four one is nineteen. So that's where we're going with this. Uh, these are very strong clubs, but they're very very fast. Uh, so it's if you need that type of product, then these are the clubs for you. Really. Well, well, they're, again, they're strong because of the launch factor. Yeah. So you have to you have to remember that. And like, if you want to make an iron go far, just make it an inch longer and jack the loft up. That'll go far. It's hard to make the speed off the face increase. So if you're getting fitting for these products, just notice the ball speed. Once you start to see the ball speed coming out faster, it goes further, end off. And once you see there's a consistency of that speed, so when you're hitting that quite great and you see the speed still staying up, that's the design. That's what you're looking for. In terms of that, I mean, Epic Iron last year was phenomenal. 
uh, it's just that it was telephone number money, but it was phenomenal. I remember hitting and thinking, this thing is just unreal. And so obviously Callaway have said, well, look, we need to create a good frame here and a good head, a head shape and good head design. And we'll, we'll, we'll map it out so that we can keep that forgiveness that we got from Epic and then bring in this new speed story from the Rogue that they're, and that Rogue X that they're hitting and try and blend the two together. And I think that Rogue is actually a blending of products. It's like a meeting of minds for Callaway. They've said that worked very well for speed. That worked very well for consistency. That worked very well for high MOI. That worked very well for this. That worked very And they've kind of almost pulled it together and morphed a lot of cool technology into one where they've now realized that worked, that really worked, that really, really worked. Let's put that in there. And I think that that range is actually quite, it's, it, it's, it's quite complete in terms of what they're trying to produce from, from, from their own branding. It's very complete. Uh, and I think that I think they're going to have a, a, a lot of fun with that product. Uh, yeah, so what I found that you know, uh, Epic Pro is quite close to Rogue Pro, and Epic was quite close to Rogue, and then Rogue X was sort of out in front of all of them when it terms of distance, and it really was down to the ball speed that was coming through. Did you like Did you like the shape of X? Because I know you're a bit finicky about the actual offset and the way the club head shapes up. Were you all right with that? Yeah, no, I'm quite into this. I mean, I've you, I think you know, plan low single figures, so people are there. You know that these. Irons like Rogue X or AP3, AP1, you know, at the higher end of the sets, you should look at them because they, they feel very good, as we just talked about with that uh, M4 iron, um, M44 iron, um, and you've got the forgiveness, but, you know, they're not that off-putting, if you like. Um, they're, they're friends, you can get a lot of distance out of them, and I think uh, more better players should be looking at these club types of clubs. It's just whether then you can blend them into these types of sets because... It's very easy to chop yeah, the at the end. You can't, you can't, I don't think with any of these, you can go, you know, four, five, six and it's, jump across because it's too much. No, 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 it's hard. It's hard to do that. And it's hard to blend it because you've got different ball flights from the different technologies and the way that the heads are set up and designed with offset loft uh, materials. It's very hard for someone like me to blend the lofts in the set to keep the consistency or 12, 13, 14 yards, whatever it is, between the clubs, the actual heads, because the ball speeds change, the launch angle changes. It's very complicated. Um, uh, but I, I have to say, you know, in terms of moving up and on, uh, Callaway have just kind of, you know, pulled together some of their, the coolest stuff that they have and pumped it into into their heads, which I think is going to work for them. I really do. I think the only thing with it, we've talked about, so tell me, you know, have a range of seven irons, Tyler Skull seven as well, but there's an awful lot of irons now in the Callaway range, some which they're keeping, some which they're not. There's a lot of overlaps and... You've got the Steelhead XR as well, which is a very fast iron. And I just, do we think they've got too many in their range now? Uh, I suspect they probably have, but I think what they're doing is they're being smart about how they're ending life cycles with product rather than just having a dump, uh, dump it out and then start again and dump it out and start again. So I'd say they're probably managing inventory and, and managing the way that the, the business is run better so that they don't have this sudden, you know, that's the last thing people want, you know, it's just, you know, buy a set of irons and then two months later they're, they've, they've, they've dropped in value and they're, 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 they're all over the marketplace. So I'd say they're just kind of allowing stuff to run its natural cycle and run its natural course, which, you know, from a business perspective, and you have to remember, folks, that these guys are running a business. So that makes a lot more sense for them as a, as, as a business is to is to allow stuff to kind of reach its its finish and then you know gradually gradually move it away allow its leaner meaner brother to take over 
And, and that makes a lot of sense, you know. And, and that's, again, what I mean about they're allowing their technology to kind of morph and, 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 and sort of, you know, materialize so that they don't have this horrible chain of, well, that's out and that's in. And I'll oh, dump that in the market. I don't care where it goes. We're into this now. It allows stuff to run its course. And there is still stuff there. You have to remember that's phenomenally good performance. And this is the point. Stuff doesn't really go good, best, better. It doesn't. It it, it kind of is a slight, smooth, even arc to performance. And people like me and people like you, you know, are brought in to be able to try and see where that benefit is, how we then use that. But the world moves forward. So anyone that's upset about new products coming out, the world moves forward. Nobody complains that there's a new pair of trainers coming out next week. I just bought a pair yesterday. There's a new pair out today. The phones move forward. They're coming out every uh, other month, every couple of months. And then there's five different models. Which one do I get? Do I get the big one? Do I get the small one? Do I get this one? Do I get... So there's lots of choice out there. So the point with this is that there's always moving forward. And we as as, as people in the, in the business, Move with that because that's the way that the world moves. If you stand still, you die. You innovate or die. That's the truth. So I see all this stuff going forward as a morphing or a, a slight overgrade and change up and move on and tweak this and tweak that. And the truth is you don't really know how well a product is going to perform until you get it into the marketplace. And at that point, then you're starting to think, how can I make that better? You know, it's it's an ever improving world. And guys like Mr. Bazell and the guys in Ping and the guys in Titleist, they're smart individuals and they're always the gas thing about these guys is the day is never done. And that's the way they, if you go to their R&D centers, there's always this air of incomplete. It's never finished, never finished. It's a constant moving forward. How do we make things go better? How do we make things go straighter? How do we improve it? How do we take what we had last year and make it better again next year? And that's, and anyone that's in business, if you're not thinking like that, you're in serious trouble. Right, all of these two companies, do we feel that one of them has moved forward maybe a little more than the other this year with this arrangement? Now we've seen the whole lot. Uh, no, I, I actually don't. To be fair, I, I think I mean Tame had a big transition. They got sold out by uh, sold by Adidas, so they're now free flying. They've new people involved, but they've signed some phenomenal golfers. I mean, if you if you look at their stable, it's like, well, if they haven't got one of them winning every week. Uh, it, that's unbelievable. So as a business, that's investing heavily into the, the core people out on the tour. They're the best of the players in the world. And that's got to produce results because they're obviously going to be playing the product. Uh, I think that, that that's a brave move. I think it's 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 fairly well focused. Tiger's obviously coming back to the game. They banked on him. Everyone went, oh, stupid move. And he came back and they went, oh, great move. Uh, so I actually think that they, they're doing well. Oh, considering they're standing on their own two feet now and they haven't got the, the big brother of Adidas sitting behind them to, to, to pick up bills and do stuff. I think they're actually doing extraordinarily well and big up and respect to um, David Silvers Bilko and his crew in the UK who have yeah, he really had to grab it by the throat and say come on lads come on I know it's not as good as it used to be but it's got to be good and product is good Bazell's done a great job and I think that I think that those guys are doing phenomenally well Callaway in the same flow great year last year coming off the back of a profit year uh, product was great great early start of the year when Rory put the, the Callaway in the back and uh, was playing Epic Zero, was picking Sub-Zero there for a while. And But they've had a good solid year in terms of a business and the product innovation is great. I mean, you just have to look at it. I mean, like jail, jailbreak technology was, I, I didn't even know you could do that. Like, you know, I seen the two bars, how are, you, how are you doing that? Like, how are you even, how are you even making that? Because that's, you know, that's a really complicated type of engineering to get that thing to sit in there and stay there and do a job. 
and then obviously when they're stripping weight out and moving weight around, it's 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 not an easy job. I still think that you know Callaway did a great great job last year. I I I look as a guy that's in the industry twenty plus years, I've worked at all levels of it. I I do nothing but wish these guys well because without these guys, there is no innovation, there is no moving forward. So I I, I mean I have full respect for these guys and what they do and how they manage to uh, blow our socks off every year. Yeah, and certainly I think obviously with Joe last year and obviously with the twist face this year, plus everything else that all the manga other manufacturers are doing as well. Yeah, this is the excitement I think that we get from it and hopefully all other golfers are, are seeing themselves that there's new stuff, there's new ideas, there's people thinking of something different, two different approaches, the same problem. And let's see let's see which one wins in the market. That's what we want to see. I mean, yeah, yeah. Twenty eighteen is gonna be great. The PGA show in a couple of weeks' time, it all kicks off again. I mean I, I genuinely am excited about this and you know my passion for, 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 for product and how it works and operates and pulling it apart and figuring it out. That's what I do and that's what I love doing. So I think twenty eighteen is gonna be a good season in terms of golf equipment. I think it's an exciting time. There's great uses of different materials, weight saving, uh weight removal and weight transition moving it around and making the ball go quick and keeping the ball online more and for everybody i think that's a good thing excellent well if you want to find out more about all these products there's reviews on the golfalot.com website if you want to go fitted find out which one's best for you then derek's your guy he's over there at full golf ie and you can follow him on facebook and twitter as well thanks very much for your time derek we're going to catch up with you later on with more of the equipment stuff thanks poppers and uh, thank you very much for listening please subscribe to us on itunes and on soundcloud and we'll see you again soon.